Uh, We'll be in today in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. This is God's word. When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing. Be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Would you join me in prayer? Father, anytime we approach your word, Father, we have to come face to face with the reality that we need you. We have to come face to face with the reality that in and of ourselves, we have really nothing good to offer you and we are at your mercy. God, I pray that this morning that as we read about the historical events of a man with leprosy encountering Jesus Christ himself, Father, would we see your beauty manifested? Will we be reminded that you are a God of mercy and you choose to have mercy on whom you please? And God, we thank you that there are those in this room who can rejoice as being recipients of that very thing. Father God, we plead that today we would not remove ourselves from the story, but that we would be reminded that Jesus is ultimately, he's ultimately the one that we celebrate. He's ultimately the one that's victorious. He is the hero in the story. This this is not about us. This is about him. God, I pray that our hearts would be softened right here and right now. Father, anytime your word is preached, Father, it is a spiritual battle. There is an enemy who desires to pluck seeds and devour them and choke them out so that your word would not bear fruit in our lives. And so I pray that even as we hear your word, we'll be, would we be in a steady posture of prayer, asking for your help, asking for your protection, asking that those who find themselves lost in what your word says, dead in their trespasses and sin, that this would be yet another opportunity for them to taste of your grace. Would they respond to Jesus through repentance and through faith and trust in what he has done for them. We ask that your word would do all of the heavy lifting. Would your spirit work in me and through me? Father, would I first be one who has understands fully that, Father, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to me, Lord. I need your help. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have take your seats. My name is Richard, uh, one of the pastors here, and, um, you know, as I studied and prepared for this message, I couldn't help but to be reminded of how much I like to be in control of things. I like to control the outcomes of my life, determine where I'm going to live, who I'm going to associate with, what job I'm going to take, what places I'm going to go and eat. There's a security in my ability to um, control things so that the outcome leads to my enjoyment. 
when life is going according to my plan, things are peachy clean, right? Think about your own life. What are the times that are most memorable? There are often those times where you feel like everything is going according to plan. And what that does in you and I is that brings a sense of security, a sense of comfort, a brings us to a place where we can kick our feet up and enjoy life. However, when life gets tough, when life throws a curveball at you, what do you do? For many of us, it starts to bring about or reveal some anxiety within us. Wait a minute, I can't control this job that I've had for so long and now I no longer have. Wait a minute, I can't determine how long my family members are going to live because now I'll come face to face with the reality that I've lost a loved one. Wait a minute, I can't even control my health because I went to the doctor for an annual visit and I came back with a diagnosis of cancer. We can't control our lives and yet we continue to try to do it. Friends, live long enough and you'll find that more and more as the years go by, you too will come face to face with the reality that you really don't control a thing. The question, though, is that when life throws you these curveballs, when you realize that you don't control things the way you thought you do, where do you turn to for hope? Matter of fact, Who do you look to for hope? In this chapter, the author Matthew, right after Jesus had got done preaching one of his most famous sermons on the mount, Matthew decides to input this story of Jesus encountering a leper. Now, leprosy isn't a common illness for many of us. In fact, when I say the word leprosy, many of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But leprosy in this time was the most or the greatest uh, illness that a man could be afflicted with. Leprosy was an illness that the physical effects of it meant that your body became consumed with ulcers and boils. You carried around with you day to day the perfume or the aroma of stenching, rotting flesh. Over time, the ulcers and boils would grow so bad that you could be minding your own business, casually walking throughout the land, and eventually fingers and toes would fall off of your very own body. But it wouldn't stop there. Eventually, an entire hand or an entire foot, you were deemed as a dead man walking. Not only were there physical effects, there were emotional effects. The stress of knowing that your death was indeed certain, but it was not indeed instant. A leper could live with leprosy anywhere from nine years to 30. Imagine daily wondering, would today be my last day alive? Imagine living life hopeless and helpless, not knowing what Not being able to look anywhere or to anyone for relief. Imagine that stress of knowing that one day you sat with your daughters looking at their smile and the next day you never would see them again. There would be no walking them down the aisle. There would be no sitting 
and seeing your sons and being able to teach them how to throw the ball or teaching them how to shave. Your life as you knew it no longer existed. You were a dead man walking. But not only were there physical and emotional effects. The social effects means that you find yourself isolated and destitute and the only support system you had become accustomed to leaning on was stripped from underneath your feet. Leprosy would bring a man to his knees because there was nowhere to look for help. There was nowhere to look for hope. And here we have this man, this man with leprosy who in the midst of his the most dire and discouraging circumstances, he now finds himself encountering Jesus. I only have two points for you this day, and the first one being that God, God himself has a purpose for your predicament. God has a purpose for your situation. But not only that, not only does he have a purpose, but God himself is big enough to solve your greatest problem. God himself is big enough to solve your greatest problem. Let's let's track through the verse real quick. Verse 1, it says, when he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before before him. The conclusion of chapter 7 says that when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Jesus is on the mountaintop. Jesus is preaching to the crowds and the crowds their response to Jesus was they were impressed by him. They were amazed by his ability to preach and proclaim things that they hadn't heard from the teachers of their day. However, this leper, when he sees or catches glimpse of Jesus descending down the mountain, he responds a little differently. He responds not with this impression or this amazement as the the words that Jesus had spoken, but no, he responds with an urgency to say, God, I need to see that your words actually have the power to accomplish what I'm asking you for. It says he came down the mountain and large crowds followed him. And then yet right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him. What's peculiar about this is that some will say that it was Jesus descending down the mountain in which he now finds a leper. But for us in our theology, we know that though the leper may have been surprised by Jesus, Jesus was not surprised by the leper. Jesus was God in the flesh. And so Jesus knew the exact moment and the exact time and the exact period right here and right now where this leper would cross his path. Jesus had predestined that this leper, though he was in bleak circumstances, would now find himself at the foot of a savior. Jesus came down the mountain. That right there for a person in desperate conditions, Jesus coming down the mountain is enough for us to celebrate, right? Jesus coming down the mountain for the leper is enough for us to rejoice in the goodness of God because he could have stayed up on that mountain. Jesus could have stayed up there preaching to the crowds, but no, what, the person that he had on his radar was the low leper. The person that he had not forgotten about, even though all of society had banished this man, was the low leopard. How many of you know that we are the leper? 
How many of you have tasted of the grace of God to know that you too found yourself in a place of absolute darkness and isolation, and yet Jesus came down for you? Jesus comes down off of the mountain, and there a leper awaits. You could look at the condition of the leper, and you could view him with such pity. This man, hopeless, helpless, abandoned by everyone he knows. None of us would want to be in his place, right? None of us would envy his life. And yet, look at how God uses his situation to bring him to himself. It was the fact that he had leprosy that he found himself outside of the city walls. It was the fact that he had leprosy that now had put him in a position to receive what God had initially wanted him to have in the first place. It was his leprosy that had isolated him and brought him to a place where When he encountered Jesus, he knew that he had to run towards him. It was this leprosy that God had used as a tool now so that his encounter with Christ would be a response of worship and not a response of disdain. How do you think about your circumstances? Do you think that the things that have happened in your life are God's judgment on you? Do you think that the place in which you grew up, the people that God has placed in your life, the hard realities of hurt and pain and abuse, whatever it may be, do you think that that was God's desired will for your life? We use this term sovereignty a whole lot, and really all sovereignty means is that God is in control of all things. However, we often tend to take that word sovereign. And when things go wrong in our lives and we find ourselves wounded and abused and we tend to shift the blame on God, how could you let that happen to me? God, it's your fault that my life looks this way. God, your will caused these things. And if you find yourself in that place, let me gently push back on on that. God's will, according to the Bible, was that we would live with him and enjoy him forever. Sin is the responsibility of, is our responsibility, and it's the vehicle through which we experience pain and hurt and the effects of all creation. God allows bad things to happen to everybody. The idea that God only lets bad things happen to bad people is foolish and a lie. All, every one of us in this room knows that bad things have happened to us, right? However, it's those very same bad things that now God says, I'm going to use that for your good. You may not understand it. You may not get it right now. But I'm promising that everything that has happened in your life will ultimately be for your good. Reflect on how you came to faith. Think about your own experiences with God. Where were you when Jesus showed up? What were you into when Jesus stepped on the scene of your life? Was your life really as good as you thought it was? The answer for all of us is no. Everyone that has placed their faith and trust in Christ can identify with the experience that bad circumstances led us to Jesus. That divorce you went through, no, that wasn't God's fault. But God used that as a means to 
tear you down and humble you low enough to where you could recognize your need for him. That loss of a job that you had placed your identity in, yes, God allowed you to use it, but he used that very thing to draw you back to him. That loss of that boyfriend or that girlfriend or whoever it is, God used those things to bring you to your knees so that you could recognize you needed Jesus Christ more than anything, right? Here the leper Here, the man with leprosy, and I want to bring our attention to that, is that all throughout the Bible, when different books refer to a man who has leprosy, they refer to him as a leper. But in this book, the leper is described as a man with leprosy. So it's not that with the condition that the man is in that somehow shapes his identity, but no, God wants to bring our attention to the fact that though you may find yourself in difficult circumstances, that is not who you are. You are a man. You are a woman. You are shaped in the image of God. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate your identity. God sees human beings through the lens of I've created them in my image. We see people through the lens of where they come from, what they're wearing, how they look, and how they act. God has to reshift our attention to say, don't look at the leper, don't look at this man as a leper, look at him as a man with a condition. How does this shape the way that we empathize with those who aren't like us? How does this help shape the way that we view one another? Look around this room and you're going to see people from every different walk of life, color, size, whatever it is. How do you view one another? How do you interact with one another? Is it on the basis that we all are image bearers of a holy and perfect God? Fractured, broken, beat up, but we still have been made in the image of God. This man with leprosy came up to Jesus And it says that he knelt before him. Why would a leper kneel before Jesus? Why would this man who had been rejected by all see something in Jesus that would cause him to come a little bit closer? That would cause him to run a little bit faster? The leper knew if I came within six cubit feet of an individual, then I had come a little bit too close. If I interacted with human beings on a day-to-day life, I had to walk around screaming, unclean, 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 so that people could keep their distance. What would make this leper look at Jesus and say, I can come to you just as I am? He couldn't even look at his religious leaders and approach them like this. His religious leaders, there's a recount of stories in the Middle Ages where when a person got leprosy, the church, the priest, would bring that person before the church and they would have a burial service. They would have a ceremony so that his family knew he was dead to them. What would make this man look to Jesus and say, no, I can come to you? The man comes. And he kneels before him, other versions say, and he worshiped him. As we look at people, let us not think that anyone is beyond the mercy of God. 
Let us not be guilty of judging a book by its cover, of thinking that just because they grew up in this, lo- in this place, that somehow God's mercy can't extend into their reality. Drive around this side of town and you can easily become callous to the reality that there are people in these neighborhoods that God's affection has, has been set on. That there are people in these neighborhoods that could very well be a leader in this church. Could very well be pastors in this church. Could very well be rep- uh, models of what it looks like to be a good, godly husband or wife. That in the Bible, there's no one outside of the reach of God. If God could save you, then he could save anybody. God will not waste anything that happens in our lives. Nothing that has happened to us has been by chance. God is in control. The leper comes to Jesus and he worships him. He comes and he worships him and he says to him, Lord. Why? Lord. Why does he call Jesus Lord? That's something reserved for a follower of Christ. That's something reserved for somebody who knows Christ. But he says to him, Lord. If we were to stop right there, I think the one takeaway that we need to realize about this man. Is that his condition was the very thing that led him to worship Christ. His condition was the very thing that led him to worship Christ. If you don't believe that God is control of all of your circumstances, that God will use all of those things as a tool, read with me in Acts 17, 23. Paul says this very same thing as he says, from one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and their boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they may seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each of us. It's not by chance that you live where you live, you work where you work, you have the friends that you have, you went to the school that you went to, you live in the neighborhood that you live in. That's not by chance. God has a purpose for your predicament. But not only that, it's one thing to know that God has a purpose, but it's another to actually know what that purpose is. He continues on saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone But go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses prescribed as a testimony to them. We can see our greatest need, but we can find ourselves questioning if our problem is too big for God to solve. It's one thing to know that you have leprosy. It's another thing to view Jesus as the one who can solve your greatest need. The rejection of men makes it hard for us to accept that there's a God who will unconditionally love us. It 
if we're real, we all have been rejected. If we're honest, we all know what it's like to not fit in with the masses. What we're not often real about is that how those experiences have shaped how we view and believe God to be. When you have to come face to face with your deepest need, there's a hesitation that may be around that leads us to say, man, God, I don't know if I can bring all of me to you. I don't know if I can be fully open and vulnerable with you, God. Yeah, I'll come close to you or I will. I don't have a problem trusting you for my salvation, but I have a problem trusting you with my life. I don't have a problem depending on you to shape my eternity, but I've got a problem with trusting you in the here and now. Why is that? If a God would be willing to come down for you and I, would be willing to spill his blood for you and I, would be willing to take on the filthiness of of ourselves upon himself and die knowing exactly who you are, why do we find ourselves so fearful of being willing to say, God, here I am, here it is me who stands. God, I cannot hide anything from you, but I have to fight to trust that you love me. We don't question the ability of God to do certain things. No, we've seen how God has provided for this person trusting him for a job. We've seen God fix marriages that were once broken, but ours still remains jacked up. We've seen God provide children to those who couldn't, but we don't think that he can do that for ourselves, right? Don't you find it easier sometimes to trust God for other people's situations than you find it easier to trust him for your own? Let me say that again. Don't you find it easier to trust God with somebody else's situation, but when it comes to your own, what does your prayer life look like? It's so much easier to give somebody counsel and advice with God's word than it is to preach that same counsel and advice to yourself when you're in that same circumstance. Prayer life is popping for everybody else but yourself. What the leper here is asking and is pleading is, Lord, I see what you did for them, but what about me? Lord, I see how you've loved them and spent time with them and have done all of these amazing things for them, but what about me? Lord, I know you're able, but the question is, are you willing My son's birthday just passed, and any time that, you know, birthdays come up, you know, children just like to let you know, hey, Dad, um, my birthday's coming on the 23rd, right? I was like, yeah, son, I know. He's like, well, I want, this is what I want. I want a PlayStation gift card. And I'm just like, what do you want with a PlayStation gift card? You can't even use the Internet on your own. So I say, okay, well, you want a PlayStation gift card, and You know, for him, he's recalling all of the ways in which for his siblings' birthdays, I've 
taken them out to grab something to eat, and we've gone on daddy-daughter dates, and his siblings have come back with all these presents, and so, but for him, he's like, well, my birthday's here. What about me, daddy? Now, he doesn't know the exact amount of money in my bank account, but he does know I've got enough to cover a gift card. So what he's asking from me isn't so much, daddy, are you able to do this for me, but daddy, will you demonstrate your love for me in a way that would show that you're willing to meet my needs. Here, the leper finds himself asking, God, are you willing to do for me what I've seen you do for others? And here's the celebration. It says this, reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched touched him. For us, that doesn't really, that doesn't impact us in the same way. But for a group of people watching Jesus, they had already withdrawn a little bit when they saw the leper. Jesus had to continue to proceed close enough in order for, as he saw this man kneeling before him, worshiping, Jesus had to come up closer and say, I see your affliction and I'm going to reach out my hand into you, your life. What separates our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ from other people is not only did he come off the mountain for us, but he enters into our situation and he can identify with us. We worship him as a great high priest because of the reality that he put on human flesh. He entered into human history And when we come to him, we're not coming as somebody who's just going to give us words from afar. We're coming to a God who's going to come up near and is going to reach his hands out to us and say, I'm with you. Jesus touched him. He touched him knowing full blown that he was willing to risk taking that man's sickness upon himself. He was willing to pay the cost of saying, I'm willing to enter into your situation knowing that I'm going to get my hands dirty. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him saying, I am willing. Be made clean. This is hard. This is hard stuff to really believe. This is difficult for us to digest. Because there's some insecurities when it comes to our relationship with Christ that we're too afraid to even be open about. You may find yourself in this place right now where you're like, I'm the leper and I am in this place right here and right now. I don't know if God loves me. I don't know if God is for me. I don't know if he can do for me what he's done for other people, but you'll never tell a soul. You'll sit here Sunday after Sunday and you'll put on a smile and you'll say all the Christian cliches to get somebody to think that you're good, but in reality, you're dying inside. In reality, you know that if 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 people knew the real me, they would, they would treat me like they treated the leper, so it's better for me to hide. Jesus sees you. You can't hide from him. He knows your turmoil. 
He knows your affliction. He knows your heartache. He knows everything about you. The only person you're fooling is yourself to think that God doesn't know you well enough to see all of you. I am willing. Let that be the thing that encourages us. That when we question God's will, that we come back to the same place over and over again. That if you have placed your trust in Christ, then every promise that God has given you is applicable to your life as well as others. God is saying, I'm willing. Don't question if I'm willing. I'm willing. Look at how far I've brought you. Look at what I've saved you from. How is it that you can find yourself in a place of desperation and now you question if I am willing? He doesn't say that it's going to happen when he said when the man wants it to happen, though. He doesn't promise us that he will bend to our will just because we make a request. God may actually have you in the circumstances that you're in because he hasn't brought you far enough down in total surrender. It's not a question of if he desires to do it or if he even will do it. It's just it's not the right time. In this situation, however, he says, I'm willing. And then he shows that he has the authority and the power to actually Meet his need. He says, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Do you think that if today you said, I'm going, I'm tired of fronting. I'm tired of pretending. Jesus I've been running from you and I need to come back. I want to come back. Jesus, are you willing? Do you think that Jesus will respond to you in disgust and disdain? Many of us, we wouldn't dare say those words, but we function like that. Look at your own prayer life. I had to come face to face with the reality that unbelief in my own heart had set in. Because I started to think about, God, what are the things that I used to pray to you about? What are the things that I would cry out to you for you to fix and repair and that even till this day have not been fixed? And what it's done in my own life is it's caused me to have unbelief. It's caused me to become apathetic towards God. I know you can, but I don't know if you will. Friendships turned out differently than you expected. Your marriage has been a lot harder than anybody told you it would be. Your experience at this church hasn't shaped out the way that you expected it to look like. God is saying today that there's no problem too big for me to fix. There's no situation too small or too Heavy for me to confront that today I want you to feel freedom to say bring it all to me. And what we're going to find, what we're 
going to see is that when the leper brings his situation, when he brings his predicament to God, what he doesn't encounter is a harsh, cruel judge who says, no, depart from me. What he encounters is a loving, merciful Savior that reaches out and touches him, but doesn't even just stop there. He reaches into his life and says, you will be made clean. This quote that really just stood out to me as it refers to this particular passage, it says that to a good doctor, a man sick of loathsome disease is not a disgusting spectacle. He is a human being that needs his skill. To a doctor, a child sick of an infectious disease is not a menace. He is a child who needs to be helped. Jesus was like that. God is like that. We must be like that. The true Christian will break any convention and will take any risk to help his fellow man in need. I really only have two applications that, you know, sometimes in sermons you want to have like five application points so that people can take away what the reality is. We may actually focus on one. So I've only got two points that I want us as a church to really hold, hold and take seriously, that when we look at the leper and we watch his approach to Jesus, I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to confess where we are with God. We got to stop the faking and the fronting and pretending. And we got to come to reality with the, God knows where we are. The real work is for us actually confessing where we are. And trusting that God will take that confession and that's how he's going to start to bring about healing in our lives. But not only that, we need to find somebody else to confess our sins to. You suffering in darkness is probably because you've isolated yourself. You're unwilling to trust God and as a result, you're unwilling to trust one another. God has given the church as a family. He's given us brothers and sisters to walk with us and to help bear our burdens with one another. Find a friend, find somebody who you can say, I can confess my sins to you and I can ask that you will pray to me and we can trust God together for healing. This is the beauty of a church. This is why we say we're a family. It's because our relationships with one another don't have to stay superficial. We can press deeply into one another's lives knowing that when I confess my sins to you, there's no way you could look at me with judgment. Because you're a sinner too. It may be different. It may impact you differently. But there's no one in this church that could lift their nose up in pride and arrogance and act like, I don't struggle with some of those same things. What would a church look like if people felt, I can take off the mask? What would the world see in the church if we said, we're going to stop the fronting, stop the pretending? And we're going to talk about the real realities of what it looks like to follow Christ. That's not a promise of change in circumstances in this life. But there's a promise of change in our situations in the life to come. And so we as the body now begin to press forward to the reality that one day there's no more pain. One day there's no more sorrow. One day there's no, there's no more brokenness. One day we'll be with our God. And we'll look back on our temporary temporary circumstances 
and we'll spend eternity with God forever. The leper had an issue with skin. The leper's worst problem was that he was inflicted with a skin condition. Our greatest problem is that we're inflicted with an incurable sin condition. Everyone in this room has it. Everyone that we know has it. And the reality is that it's God's grace in your life if he brings you to a place where you're actually aware of your own very own need. We don't look at the leper with disgust. We look at it as this man has encountered the grace of the Lord. That he saw himself. He sees his condition. And in the midst of that condition, he runs to the only God who can fix his problem. Don't waste another moment wallowing in your circumstances. Stop delaying for tomorrow what you can do right now. Jesus came down, the mar- came down the mountain for the leper and he came down from heaven for us. Jesus didn't have a sickness or disease, but yet he reaches his hand out to the one who did. And now he infected himself for the benefit of those who couldn't heal themselves. Jesus bears within himself our sins, our sickness, so that we, by placing our trust in Christ, can experience new life. This is what Christ has done for every person that would approach him and bow before him saying, God, I need you. You can do that right now. The same testimony that the leper had of being instantly cured, that could be your testimony. Right now in your seat, you could pray right now that, God, I want to trust you as my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sins? God, will you take hold of my life? And in a moment, God could save you. Here we see in the story of the leper that there was purpose in the predicament that he found himself in. Here we see in the story of the leper that there was no condition or circumstance too big for God to handle. And my encouragement to us as a church is that we would find true, renewed freedom and celebration, knowing that we can approach a God that is tender and loving and that welcomes and invites the filthiest of sinners to come to him. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that we get to see testimonies of your mercy fleshed out in your word, but also we get to hear stories of how You've displayed and demonstrated this very same act of love in our own lives. Father, we're excited that even today we get to celebrate baptisms, Lord, as those who have encountered this same loving and tender and affectionate Savior, that they've tasted of his mercy and and experienced his grace, and they want to share with the whole world what you have done in their lives. Father, we continue to celebrate uh, your ability and your willingness to take filthy sinners and make them into clean men. We thank you and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.